0: i afraid I can't do that. Truly, It'd be great if, like, the THX sound would
1: just
0: <laughs> play you in on these situations. I would love that.
1: I, I would really like that. That's a, the THX eardrum burster is an underrated transition sound. <laughs> like, you need that to go from the real world into fantasy.
0: It does help. Isn't that a great part? Like, you're in the theater, and they do the intro noise, and you're just like,
1: oh, Yeah. Well, it wipes the slate clean for new uh, auditory experiences. It's a purging fire, Cody. It's, it's very true.
0: I think the best studio logos are the ones that kind of have some orchestral sweep just to get you into the mood of like, oh, you're right, movie time. Like uh, 20th Century Fox, like the fanfare. Like, yeah, that, that gets me pumped to watch anything. It could even be a slow movie and I'll be, ooh, movie
1: time. I, I miss a movie studio logos making you feel like you were in the presence of some kind of monolithic god. Like the old Warner home (laughs) video logo from the the 80s and 90s.
0: That is a very good point. Those were the best. And like uh, with MGM, the giant lion roar, just like, oh, good. I should be a little afraid of your logo. When it's played at full volume, I should poop myself a little. That's how I know I'm in for a good time.
1: It immediately sets up the expectation that the movie is out to get you. I think there needs to be more of an adversarial relationship between art and the audience these days.
0: I think that's true of every movie. I think The Wizard of Oz should let you know, like, hey, things are going to start off okay, but there will be flying monkeys. We're just getting you in the mood now. None of that works for the episode at hand, but I like that we discussed this.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Anyways. We can still make the transition work. We can still make the transition to work. Yeah, oh, it's geez. like if in front of X there was... Um... So, some horny people i i'm sorry cody i'm sorry i i, I thought uh, i had it and i didn't
0: what uh j- just just uh, before x instead of a lion roar is just a oh yeah <laughs> hello and welcome to box office Pulse, the one-stop <laughs> podcast for movies madness and moxie i'm your host cody and joining me tonight is my faithful co-host jamie uh i had a plan everyone has a plan until your podcast punches you in the face and then you lose track of what the plan was uh, so originally, things were going to be a little more somber as we kicked off this episode with a quote from an article by R.S. Benedict I saw last year on bloodnipe.com called Everyone is Beautiful and No One Is Horny. I'd just like to read a little excerpt from that article, and it's, it's some of my favorite writing I've seen on the amount of horniness in modern cinema. Actors are more physically perfect than ever, impossibly lean, shockingly muscular, with magnificently coiffed hair, high cheekbones, impeccable surgical enhancements, and flawless skin, all displayed in form-fitting superhero costumes with the obligatory shirtless scene thrown in to show off shredded abs and rippling pecs. And this isn't just the lead and the love interest. Supporting characters look this way too, and even villains frequently clad in monstrous makeup, are still played by conventionally attractive performers. Even background extras are good-looking, or at least inoffensively bland. No one is ugly. No one is really fat. Everyone is beautiful. And yet, no one is horny. Even when they have sex, no one is horny. No one is attracted to anyone else. No one is hungry for anyone else. Which brings us to X by Ty West. Phone drop. That made more of a thud than I thought.
1: You, you nailed it out of the park, Cody. We had, we had a bit of a rickety start, but you, you made it across the 50-yard line.
0: God damn it, Jamie. Don't bring us back to those dark days.
1: So I haven't actually
0: talked to you, Jamie, about your opinion on this movie. For all I know you hated it. I was a really big fan. I absolutely enjoyed this film. Uh, I went in knowing very little about it other than, okay, it's a slasher film that's evolved about a porno crew. That That's as much as I knew Um uh, Oh, and for folks at home, there are going to be spoilers for X. So if you're tuning in and you haven't seen it, you are in X version. Now might be a good time to go log off, go watch the movie. Jamie, I think you saw it on demand, right? Like that's an option now?
1: Oh, yeah, you can get it for $20 on you. But but yeah, spoilers, spoilers. The 70s porn industry dies.
0: (laughs) But uh, what, what was your thought? Did you like the movie, Jamie?
1: Oh, yeah, I came away really adoring it. Which is good because I came in going completely blind to it. I didn't even watch the trailer. All I knew was that this was a new Ty West movie that went to some extreme places and that it was best going in uh, without a lot of information. And West is one of those directors Well, I'll I'll just dive in blind. (laughs) I'm I'm usually better off not, not knowing anything. And I was not disappointed.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny because I consider myself a really big Ty West fan. And then I looked at his filmography and realized, oh, wait, that guy's directed only a handful of movies. I don't know why I consider myself such a diehard fan. There's The Roost, uh, which most people haven't seen because that's like almost the level of a student film. Like it's so low budget. There's Trigger Man, which I didn't even know existed until like today. The House of the Devil, the one everyone knows and loves. Uh Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever, which I think he tried to get his name removed from because he wasn't happy with how production (laughs) kind of wrangled the film away from. Uh, There's The Innkeepers, The Sacrament, then In a Valley of Violence, which is a Western. So a lot of horror fans probably didn't pay attention to that. And that was 2016. Uh, He moved over to television production for years. And this was his big comeback to, I mean, not only the horror film, but film in general. So we've been a long time coming, waiting for more Ty West. And surprisingly, he went the route of not trying to build hype. He just kind of surprised us and threw the movie out there, which I feel like the marketing people were probably a little taken aback by. Do you think there were people inside of A24 like you motherfucker? You get out there and say you're making a movie right now. You get on Twitter and tell them.
1: Motherfucker, we have to the eighth film by Quentin Tarantino this shit.
0: (laughs) Right? I mean, apparently it didn't matter. I, I don't know what the budget for the film was. I'm assuming it was very low. Uh, But as of now, it's made about $13 million, which is a pretty good investment.
1: I'd say that's doing very impressive numbers, considering how difficult it is to get anyone into the theater right now for something that isn't hyphen man.
0: Well, exactly. Yeah. And I was I was pretty impressed when I went to my screening. uh, It was opening weekend, but not like opening night. And I had a pretty full crowd. It wasn't a sold out theater and it wasn't one of those, you know, giant complexes that have 400 seats but it was a good crowd. So it seems like general audiences connected with the movie. And while the film was going, the crowd reaction was fantastic. People were (laughs) uh, clearly uncomfortable in certain parts. There was shock laughter. There was genuine laughter. I will say like the fucking funniest thing I think I've seen this year is there's the moment like Kid Cudi comes out to talk to Howard because Howard says his wife is missing. It's the middle of the night. And we've got these kind of middle shots so you, you see like Kid Cudi from like the chest up and he's not wearing a shirt but you assume he's wearing boxers and they have this whole conversation where eventually he's like okay I'll help you go find your wife. It then cuts to the wide shot where he just realize he's hanging schlong out in the open the entire time and you see like the shadow of his dick <laughs> and just how serious that moment's played but then they have the camera shot like it's, it's,
1: it's such a playful moment and I just couldn't fucking stop laughing at that spot. This movie has such a an amazing tone. Uh, immediately upon leaving the movie, it's insane to think that Ty West describes this as a fun, feel-good horror movie. <laughs> but, you know, on reflection, it really is. Things don't go apeshit until, like, an hour in, and even beyond that, there's a lot of playfulness to it. Way more well, than you'd expect thing... necessarily from uh, from Ty West returning to Slasher.
0: Well, that's, that's kind of the deal, right? Ty West I think Owned Fairly has kind of a reputation as being more along the lines of uh, kind of a pretentious, slow burn horror director. But again, going back through the list of movies he's made, I don't think even in a compromised form you make uh, Cabin Fever 2 unless you have some sense of humor and levity inside of you or even The Innkeepers, uh, I was re-watching that the other day, and before the movie starts, there's like a little title card that says the producers of this disc uh, recommend to replicate the studio audio. You turn this up real loud, which is just yeah. such an informal, fun, nerdy kind of way to communicate with your audience. So it, I, I think Ty West doesn't get the credit he's due of actually providing films that are uh, not incredibly grim and hopeless. They might end up that way on paper, but he, he creates them in a way where they're actually fairly light in moments
1: well he's a dude who brings a lot of 2000s indie sensibilities to horror (laughs) like he kind of he kind of makes a lot of horror hangout movies even the sacrament which i really adore is kind of just hanging around jonestown for 90 minutes before things go tits up
0: right yeah there's 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 that impending doom you know is coming at the end but it doesn't jump right into it it lets things kind of spool out and that's the same with this one too you know something bad is happening i mean the very first scene is a kind of a flash forward, forward to the end of the film right where it gives away okay this person died here that person died there you don't get all the details but you know oh there's at least this many bodies and this many main characters but then it jumps back and the plot is hey porn's doing pretty good what if we made our money making a porn and then people just have kind of a buddy trip to Texas where they sit around a cabin have sex and then argue about having sex
1: and again and it just becomes this big chill like 20 somethings figuring out their life movie for a while with this this dark shadow of pearl and howard looming over them which is such a nice like direct metaphor for death and old age looming over the pleasures <laughs> of youth like this is i love how Ultra literal, this film.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just—it's—it's it's not the Grim Reaper, but it's—it's it's close enough. It's just old age lurking around, kind of spying on you and disapproving or wanting what you have.
1: Which I think may speak to the wider appeal that this movie has had outside of the horror and A24 circles. Which is uh, something I feel that uh, horror fiction in general is like the only form of media that truly excels at this. Embracing the universal truth that old people are terrifying. (laughs) Or's the only one with the sack to say it. (laughs) I
0: that was the other thing. I knew it was a slasher. I didn't know it was gonna be kind of a a, hag exploitation take on a slasher. (laughs) Where it uses the fact that the audience is terrified of old people to really make them uncomfortable. You know, it's not just seeing a person be infirm, but it's the idea of, hey, what if you get old, but you don't actually change? If you're a, a horny dude now in your 30s, what if you're going to be 90 years old and still horny, but your body just isn't capable? It's it's a different form of body horror than the Cronenberg kind of stuff we're used to. A little bit more real and close to home, I think.
1: Yeah, that's why I think the decision to cast Mia Goth as both Pearl and Maxine is so brilliant. Because the makeup job that Weta did for for Pearl is outstanding. But there's only so much you can do with old age makeup on somebody who's clearly much, much younger. (laughs) There's that slight uncanniness that makes performances like that very terrifying. And West and Goth really honed in on just how uncomfortable and uncanny it can be seeing... Someone who looks very old and infirm, not moving quite like they're supposed to.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's just, it's unnatural. Because they have to exaggerate a lot of movements to try and portray someone who's 50 years older than they are, the age gap is. But the big benefit in my mind too is so many old age makeups are going for realistic. They're trying to convince you, oh, that's what this actor will look like in 20 years. And we need you to very clearly understand he's much older now. And they lean so hard into being realistic, it just points out the flaws. Whereas in this one, as a horror film, you're supposed to be turned off and kind of disgusted by how old these people are. So the fact that the makeup is a little bit more horrific and unnatural actually plays into making it feel right and and a good fit for what's happening. I wouldn't say that the makeup is designed to be realistic. Which
1: is oddly the reason why it seems very real. It's very tales from the Crypt makeup which I, <laughs> which I was really not expecting. God. Um, and I most
0: people will mention the Mia Goth connection, but uh, the guy who plays Howard, Stephen Ur, er, is 64 years old. so he's not he's not you know a very, very young man. They made up to look 90. But he's not, you know, super, super old himself. Just for funsies, though, I went back and kind of looked at some of the other films he's been in. And he's played orcs and goblins in The Lord of the Rings and Hobbit (laughs) Hobbit movies. (laughs) Uh, He's one of those He played Drunk. His character's name was Drunk in four different episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead because they filmed (laughs) in New Zealand. So they just had him around. And then he was in Deathgasm. He played a character called Ricky Daggers.
1: So if you were spooky in New Zealand, you worked with this guy. That,
0: that's it. They just pulled him in. <laughs> so that doesn't really thematically connect to anything. I just thought that was a fun little tidbit. Hats off to Stephen Earp. I don't actually know how to pronounce his name. a bad person. But I had so much fun watching the movie because, again, people don't want to admit it. But they are very scared of old people. They're, they're scared of becoming old. They're afraid of like, what if I break her hip or, or, or she can't hear me? What do I say to her? Or what if she has dementia and I just I break her heart by letting her know grandpa died because you can't remember that and I have to do it every day for the next 10 years. There, there's so many things that are frightening about old age. And so what if you took those and added sex on top of it? Most of us have never even considered the fact that an 80-year-old might still want to get it on. And then you compile that with and also they want to murder you. Uh, they want to fuck you, and they want to stab you to death. It's a lot to take in.
1: X might be the most hyper-literal example of the uh, murderous penetration as substitute for sexual penetration <laughs> before I've seen <laughs> since the fucking Driller Killer. <laughs> oh,
0: they should put that on the disc. Like, as a promotional thing.
1: Yeah, this movie uh, makes it very clear the violence in this movie while very harsh and very unromantic is high, also highly sexual. Particularly the first stabbing that kicks off uh, the craziness in the film.
0: It's it's kind of I mean, it, it's basically a rape, right? Like Pearl gets turned down and she gets so mad about it, she violently stabs a man in the neck until he bleeds out. And like he's gushing blood everywhere. It's that and kind of trauma just afterwards. flipped around the normal rules, Right, yeah, this is she got her action. One way or another.
1: Which makes uh, her actions all the more terrifying in this movie. It's one thing to see a backwoods slasher who is just murdering because people are in his woods. Or because of some like overcomplicated mystical reason. There's something absolutely horrifying about an elderly person who can still get around a little better than they should. <laughs> just killing out of pure, hateful, sexual frustration.
0: Well, even the moment where Howard and Pearl finally fuck. like it's As I was saying before, at the start of the show, most movies don't have fucking anymore. We need to get a lot more perverts in Hollywood and get some fucking back into movies because things are too chaste. <laughs> but you end up with the most beautiful people in the world and they, they, they barely show any signs of attraction to each other or just very moderate attraction or they don't really have lust to them. It, it feels very sterile. This movie, these characters are filled with desires and wants, and it's dripping in horniness, but that's made to scare you, it's, which I think is a very, very kind of literal interpretation of how audiences react to movies right now. Like, sex is kind of distasteful, and they don't want to see it. So this movie makes sex the act of the villains. The heroes do it, too, but it's it's seen as a sin.
1: Yeah, I think there's something to be said about the juxtaposition between how... The old couple in this movie is fighting tooth and nail for any kind of sexual expression between the two of them and how the young cast views sex as either something that comes with a lot of strings attached and can only be used in a very specific context or sex is transactional for them at this part of their life. Sex is part of their they get rich quick scheme they're currently involved in.
0: I will say I wasn't expecting the film to have a surprisingly kind of deep conversation about I am blanking on the the actress's name right now. Oh, uh, uh, Lorraine's character, Lorraine, essentially deciding, hey, what if I wanted to be in the porno? And her boyfriend going, well, whoa, 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 whoa. we're just filming this and enabling these people. We, we don't want to be involved in the show. And then arguing over the merits of her being in the porn. Like he's willing to take advantage of them for money. And he's also trying to present this as his masterpiece, he can make art out of this porn. But as soon as his girlfriend is interested in actually participating in it physically, he gets very upset and uncomfortable. And, you know, his whole opinion of the thing kind of becomes transparent. He lines up with the mainstream of, oh, no, 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 sex is nasty. You shouldn't be doing it. with.
1: Yeah, it's. I love that the movie wears the trappings of sleazy 70s exploitation, but its politics stand in stark opposition. the moralism of slasher movies from the time right yeah
0: it's i mean the typical slasher the idea is right you have sex Jason is going to punish you and kill you and then the audience kind of cheers for it which when you stop and think about it is pretty conservative storytelling right like (laughs) it's it's very moralistic values in this one the characters who are having sex are murdered but you never get the sense they have it coming
1: and the character who would be the uh the virgin final girl in any other movie is the second last to go our our lead survivor in this movie is a coke addicted porn star
0: with self-professed sex appeal
1: (laughs) yeah like that i I, which independent of everything else uh, in this movie can we get more slasher protagonists who are just keeping all their shit together I love watching those kind of <laughs> girls survive rather than the, the more cliched, super put together final girls.
0: And speaking of final girls, this movie, I think, had the fortune of coming out right now because Jenna Ortega is, is, you know, on the verge of, I would say, being a pretty big star, right? With everything she's done over the last year and even being in the new Scream makes audiences go into this movie expecting her to be the main character. Then you kind of have that twist where it's actually Mia Goth. It's she's She's the one you should be paying attention to. So the timing of that, I think, makes it perfect. If you saw this movie, like, five years ago or five years in the future, I don't know if you'd get that same kind of vibe. So timing-wise, they, they really lucked out with having Jenna
1: in the movie. Without, without being super, like, meta or on-the-nose about, there's a lot of nice reversal of expectations with how you would typically expect this stuff to go. Particularly, I love how in any other traditional slasher movie, Brittany Snow's character... Would be really obnoxious and unlikable and be like the first to die. I love how much this movie makes you care about that character and how <laughs> much fun that performance is and how cool that character is to be around. There's a lot. Well, even, of-
0: even like the little moments she gets, like at the start when they're filling up gas. And she gets to say, like, hey, why are you filming us this way? If you put the camera down there, it looks like it's his dick. And of course, it's like, oh, of course, we're making a porn. That's the way it should be done. Like the little tips of the hat, like, oh, this character is much smarter than you would expect for being, you know, the blonde porn star.
1: Yeah, making a movie about the seedier era of the of the sex work industry, that that's also a very violent, uh, very dark horror movie that That's a very tricky line to walk, but I think West and the cra- cast do a good job of remaining fairly neutral on sex work. Like, if there's any takeaway uh, to get from this movie on, like, porn good or porn bad, it's just, por- porn is work. Porn People is are work, doing yeah. it for their own reasons, and you should respect their choices and leave them alone about it. But it does not but it also does not portray the porn industry as any kind of fairy tale or any way or something that would have been their best option at that time.
0: Right. Yeah, it's definitely amateur hour. Uh, Martin Henderson playing Wayne kind of comes off as a little bit of a a snake oil salesman in the way he interacts with everyone. There's there's a sense that, no, this is really on the level, (laughs) but they think it's going to be their huge payday because this is. Shortly after Debbie Does Dallas come, came out and made a, a, an astounding amount of money for a porn film.
1: Yeah, I think that's so. the only reason Wayne does work as a character and is someone you're not necessarily rooting to die in the film is at that particular moment, you could very easily see just a guy, you know, renting some equipment and saying, oh, all of these people are becoming millionaires with porn. We have some hot friends. Oh, we can make <laughs> this happen. Go.
0: <laughs> well and the character of wayne easily i think in most horror films would be the heel character he'd be the guy you're supposed to hate you know like this obnoxious evil pimp and in this one he's not like he has obviously some chauvinistic opinions and that kind of stuff and he's shady but he doesn't seem that bad of a guy honestly he seems like a guy who'd be perfectly fine to sit around and have a couple beers with he doesn't seem like he's out to hurt any of the people he's with
1: yeah apparently just about everyone else who read for wayne Came in like their hair slicked back, not having shaved in a couple of days, like <laughs> trying to be like the sleazy porn producer. And Henderson was one well, of the only people who just played him as a regular dude, which
0: is funny to me because I got like
1: Matthew McConaughey vibes. <laughs> he is very Matthew McConaughey in this.
0: One. That's super- I, I think it's just they're both surprisingly ripped dudes. Maybe that. Maybe that's the entire thing that connects
1: me. Also, wait, 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 wait. while we are talking up this cast, let's just take a moment to talk about. Kid Cootie as Jackson Hole, <laughs> porn star slash marine, the greatest <laughs> porn slasher movie, badass, the grace star screen. <laughs> right.
0: It's it's really an honestly very delightful cast, and everyone gets some pretty good moments. Who haven't we mentioned? Um um um
1: there's uh oh, Owen there's a Owen, Owen Campbell,
0: Campbell yeah, yeah. He's he's the one I was forgetting as RJ Nichols. Um and he gets some pretty good moments too. Like uh, he's the director, I guess you would call him. Uh and he has that moment where, you know, he's fighting with his girlfriend. He doesn't want her to be in the porn. And you can understand the situation he's in, but you also understand like, oh, right. Logistically, he doesn't really have a leg to stand on here. I understand his feelings are hurt, but he's not taking a very good point of view on this. So he's hurting himself. And then we have that moment where he's just crying in the shower. <laughs> like, it's just, it's a very sad, tender moment for a character that's kind of the douche of the movie.
1: And then he immediately decides to ditch them in, in a cabin in the woods right? Like, like uh, he just yeah, he yeah, he oscillates
0: back and forth between being like a guy who's kind of like a dummy but aspirational and then to a dick and then very sad and pitiful and then just back to a dick. His character gets to jump all over the place and I don't say that as, as an insult. I think it's it's actually an interesting character. He's given a surprising number of things to do considering he is the first to go. You know, he's got the least screen time compared to all the others, who ride, well, victims, I should say.
1: Yeah, I would say there's if this movie draws any clear line in the sand between its characters it's between the characters who embrace their sexuality for its own sake and the characters who are using sex to get something or trying to mm. to are trying to take beauty or exploit the beauty that's in their lives which you find like the for most of the porn cast uh they are monetizing their sexuality but you can see in the conversations between them they are sexually liberated people everybody yeah. you know, gets a whole speech on how you know, we're entering an age where people can just fuck whoever they want
0: or we even have the conversation parts where uh like uh, uh bobby lynn is talking to jackson and she you know she's telling him often, and he's like i fake the orgasm and he just, just keeps kind of shrugs it off like it doesn't bother him <laughs> He's not that hung up by the idea of someone faking an orgasm with.
1: Him. Yeah, there's like if you want to like re- read super into it, there's a lot of like uh, old male versus new male <laughs> performance of masculinity stuff going on oh, there. For sure. Now, to mention Howard, who cannot fuck his wife but can certainly explode dudes with shotguns <laughs> to show his affection,
0: <laughs> or smash hands in with hammers. Yeah, he can. He can uh, violently outburst also, just Howard's death has to be one of the funniest in slasher history, right? Just just <laughs> keeling over from a heart attack and just slumping to the ground.
1: And then Pearl just dies because she fired a shotgun and she's old.
0: Yeah. Just just I remember the audience feeling very confused, like there was chattering. People didn't believe he was actually dead. They thought he like he was somehow faking this for some he reason. Like he pull was gonna off be the old age makeup. Well, no, like it was like a carry thing, you know, that last minute shocker jump where he's going to jump up and be like, ah, I wasn't dead at all. And no, he's just, he, he had a heart attack because he exerted himself too much and he was right, his heart couldn't take it, slumped over dead.
1: <laughs> uh, if only he pulled up an amulet he got in World War One that restored his health as long as he served Satan.
0: <laughs> and like you mentioned too, the death of Pearl, which is another classic one where it comes to a shootout and Pearl's got the shotgun and it kills her! Like, it's not even there's a blowback, it's just the recoil is so much it throws her out a door and she breaks her hip, and then she's just left to kind of beg for help, and when that work doesn't work, she gets run over. Like, it's it's the most pitiful big bad ending you've probably ever seen.
1: Uh, there's something so poetic about ending a slasher movie about the horrors of aging with the slashers being defeated by their own bodies.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> like, that's it. No, none of the heroes really do that much, which is hilarious because they're fighting, like, 90-year-olds. <laughs> they, they're they dependent on just these bodies falling apart to really save their lives, and yet most of them can't escape.
1: Thank God they had that pet alligator. <laughs> I mean, that that's...
0: I have no real problem with the alligator scene because it was hinted at, foreshadowed earlier, where Mia's swimming around, the alligator's chasing her, and she gets up just in time without realizing the alligator's there. But as a plan to murder someone, throwing them in a pond and just assuming an alligator is going to eat them is pretty roundabout. Look, <laughs> it works as a good jump, and because it was foreshadowed, I don't mind it. But in any other film, I would not give a free pass to that.
1: Look, Howard and Pearl are senile.
0: <laughs> She's, yeah, not that senile. I mean, she managed to kill uh, Wayne by sticking a pitchfork perfectly through some holes the moment <laughs> he threw them in a barn door.
1: That, w- that was an outstanding, like, Jason Voorhees kill. I was not expecting It that. was.
0: Yeah, no one was. And I will say, my theater was on edge during uh, the first alligator scene. Like, everyone thought this was where the horror was going to start, and you, you could just tell everyone was very tense about that moment. They thought Mia was a goner, and, you know, she just swims out. She's fine. Doesn't. I don't think she even notices the alligators there, and it was, no. just, it was amazing being in the audience for that. That was a great thrill.
1: That's why this is such a great movie, to show people blind, because so much of the suspense comes from not being quite sure what kind of horror movie you're even watching.
0: Well, that was it. I didn't know, oh, are they going to play this straight? Is it seriously just old people are killing young people? Are are they hiding a secret? Is this supernatural? Like, they kill young people for their blood? Or what's going on here? There's got to be a reason for all the makeup. Yeah. (laughs) And instead, it's just kind of like, hey, what if Norman Bates... It just kept living, like he was just around the the hotel for a couple of decades. So he's just more or less used to killing folks. And mother was just. horny. And mother was just horny. That's why she had taken all those pretty girls. Just the anger, the repression. I'm sure there there's some therapist out here who is just having a field day psychoanalyzing this film. Just like,
1: oh, good heavens, there's so much material. YouTube analysis videos will have the fucking heyday
0: for a movie that, on its surface, is old people kill young people has a a surprising amount of depth to plumb. You could take it very straight. And like we said, that's it. It's just old people are jealous of young people. That's the plot. They kill out of revenge. Or if you want to take it really deep, there's a ton of stuff to look into. So I, I love having that flexibility in criticism. If you can watch a film and just turn your brain off and it's still an enjoyable experience, or if you can sit there with a notebook and take notes every two seconds and go oh this is part of a deeper theme this is why they had old age makeup on these people and the same actress in two roles and uh, this is why they play acoustic covers of songs that haven't happened yet i (laughs) I, I like having that ability to dive in there like a lunatic and make conspiracy
1: theories of my own oh we're gonna be able to make such a meal of this when it's a trilogy soon
0: right that was the other amazing thing i didn't know they had already filmed a prequel along with this movie they managed to hide that pretty well until like you get to the end of the film and they have the trailer attached like as a post-credit thing. Just, here you go, there's a whole nother movie already made, waiting to go. You'll see it probably in a few months. Like, holy shit, wow.
1: Yeah, I love how Ty West hates horror movies so much. He's making a slasher franchise because that's the only way to do slashers.
0: <laughs> well, I guess what he said was they went down to New Zealand to film because the, the COVID protocols were you know, relaxed there. If you quarantine for a couple weeks... They didn't have a lot of other people coming in that were infected, so you could film more freely. And they realized while they were down there, kind of like a Corman thing, like, you know, we've got the sets. Why why not just film a whole other movie here, and we'll just make it a different decade and, you know, <laughs> just hire some new actors and a new plot? Call it good. Save some cash. This is what I want more of. I want gimmicks and hucksterism in my films. I want guys who made five movies on the same lot, and they just told, like, Boris Karloff to, like, come in for a day because he was around.
1: <laughs> Where's the Cormans of yesteryear? <laughs>
0: Well, it's a bummer, right? Because every time we get a Star Trek now that's such a big production, it's like four or five years between movies. That stinks, man. I I just want, like, I don't care. Pump them out. Give me one a year. They don't have to be great. I just want the enthusiasm to continue forward from project to project.
1: Nowadays, if they build the sets, they destroy them between sequels.
0: Well, There's so much time. Where are they going to put them all? I don't know, I I would like to go back to the Saw model where it's like, you've wrapped Saw 1 and you're already filming Saw 2, and you're editing it as you film it so you can get it out in time. Like, just mad panic where you don't have time to stop and think necessarily. Like, it just has to go out the door. If it's Valentine's Day, it
1: must be X.
0: (laughs) Although, that's probably a disservice to X, because it does feel like there was a good amount of care and attention applied to the movie. It wasn't like they were just making this in a blind rush. I would just like that kind of attitude for further sequels. So if people want to surprise me and be like, hey, man, we filmed the Batman and the Batman 2 and the Batman 3 all at the same time. Get ready, motherfuckers. You're getting one year in between. November's reserved. I'd be so excited. I'd be so happy.
1: Well, I think that's what's got me so excited for this as a series. Like, I want to see the A24 horror franchise. (laughs) Like, I want to see what happens when A24 does too many sequels for something.
0: Someone's got to get to that point. I always thought Blumhouse was going to be the one that was like, okay, we're making eight sequels. And they seem somehow reserved. I don't know if it's because they let the budgets get a little higher in between entries. Like, why don't we have eight Happy Death
1: Days by this point? Uh, g- give me Moonlight 7. We just follow <laughs> that dude until into, into old age. It's beautiful.
0: It's beautiful. That's how it should be. I don't care about quality anymore. Give me like 19 of the suckers. Whatever. I'll enjoy the ones I like and then stop paying attention. It's okay.
1: I want to see Sharon discover VR. It just becomes that <laughs> Black Mirror episode. <laughs>
0: I don't know how to drag this back around to X. (laughs) I feel like we've gotten a little ways away from it.
1: But this was designed
0: to be a mini-bop, so we're probably about at our time limit. Uh, If you've stuck with us this far and you haven't seen the movie, hopefully we've convinced you to give it a watch, even though we've spoiled the entire thing. Again, as a film that's about porn stars being murdered by uh, decrepit monster people, surprisingly funny, surprisingly tense, gory, A+. I really enjoyed it. Didn't expect to like this movie as much as I did. The crowd was really into it. It was a fun experience all around. Can't wait for Pearl. Can't wait for uh,
1: whatever part three is going to be named either.
0: Give me the whole works
1: now. I can't wait to have the box shelf of the Ty West horned up trilogy.
0: <laughs> this is my hope. Everyone sees this movie being successful and they go, all right, we can make $5 million really horny horror films again. It's okay. That's all I need to say. I, just, I think we need more perverts making horror films.
1: More perverts making films in general. The good kind. Not, not, not the kind we've all heard about on the news. The polite perverts. Yeah, more John Waters.
0: There's a specific breed we're looking for for perverts. I want weird shit. I don't want him to, like, violate my rights.
1: And on that note, I think we can...
0: <laughs> good. I think I've left the audience confused and a little uncomfortable with me, which is the way I should always end the episodes. Folks, again, thank you so much for listening. If you want more Box Office Pulp, you can find us at boxofficepulp.com. We're on Twitter at box office pulp, Facebook, several other social medias, uh, but we don't check those, so you're probably not going to get a response if you send us angry mail. Uh, you you got to send that directly to us. Give us a listen you can find us on stitcher itunes spotify the works you name it i think uh google music play i am never gonna remember this jamie google <laughs> as a service offers us which is strange to say i feel like we should be thrown out
1: you can find us where you find podcasts
0: oh that's a better way that's why people just say that it's so much easier
1: and where can they find you online cody
0: they can't and then i throw smoke bombs and i just <laughs> uh you can find me on twitter at bopwatch one and that's. Won the number, not won the word. Bop Watch one,
1: And you can find me on Twitter at MondoFunky. Somehow still the only one. Nice.
0: Do you think we're going to have to change our Twitter handles when Elon Musk takes over? Like they're all going to be like 420 names, like gamer tags with a bunch of
1: X's or some stupid shit? I still say we all form Twitter too. That's not a when bad idea. We don't idea. invite anyone but us. <laughs> we just Google Plus this shit immediately.
0: <laughs> what if, yeah, everyone just went back to Google Plus. Is that an option? Do they shut that down? If you're at Google+, contact us, please. Also, rate and review the show and let us know uh, you're still around so we can find you. We love you now, Google+.
1: Also, fuck the GOP. Protect trans kids. I'm out. We should have put that at the start of the episode. I'll just wrap it around. We can loop it, so that's, that's the new intro.
0: Oh, there we go.
1: There we go. And like that,
0: he's gone. Because we, we sent everyone away. For spoilers. So, I feel like the important messages need to be before we
1: tell everyone to stop listening. (laughs) We need to remind people to be kind with each other before they (laughs) run away because we might spoil the ending of a movie.
0: Even better, I'm pretty sure this is the post credit sequence. So, now we've told people (laughs) only the important bits apparently either too soon where they don't know what kind of show this is or too late where they've stopped listening.
1: Uh, I'm of the opinion of Dr. Manhattan it's always too late, Cody.
0: Oh, man oh we could have worked in giant glowing blue dongs too and it would have been appropriate
1: ah oh, man
0: i have a lot of regrets oh,
1: man. good this is box office pulp guy
0: and this has been a pulp podcast production now please 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. and now on with the show